This is the Impact Report. I'm your host, Katie Ullman. The Impact Report brings together students and faculty in Bard College's MBA in Sustainability program with leaders in business, sustainability, finance, social entrepreneurship, and more. These conversations go live first and third Friday of each month. This week, Bard MBA's Michael Conway and PJ Connolly speak with Amanda Hughes, Joshua Wilson, and Sarah Charneski, founders of Black Sheep. So since we know a lot about, you know, the three of you, uh, I just thought it would be appropriate to have PJ and Michael tell you briefly about themselves. My name is Michael Conway. Um, I've got a background in business administration. But um, I moved abroad to Chile in 2009 to teach English and eventually opened up my own ESL company. Um, so I'm really eager to hear about, you know, your experience running a company in Costa Rica. Awesome. Hello, everybody. Good morning. Uh, my name is PJ Connolly, and uh, I'm super interested in what you guys are doing at Black Sheep. Uh, to be honest, it's about the only company that has, that I've found that meets all of my interests in one company <laughs> and in the way that you're doing it, which is crazy. And I'm super excited to hear more about you guys. So uh, with that, I'll, I guess I'll turn it back over to Mike and uh, he can dive into some questions. Yeah. So we, we thought just to start, uh, for those out there listening that are not familiar with Black Sheep, can somebody just sort of give us a quick background of Black Sheep? This is uh, Amanda Wilson. I'm the CMO and one of the three founders of Black Sheep. I would say Black Sheep is a regenerative agroforestry company who's majorly located in Costa Rica. Our, the majority of our work is in Costa Rica. We're incorporated in the United States and we're bringing regenerative rainforest products to the United States. And what are the products that you're bringing? Uh, the first product that we're going to be launching is a turmeric product, but essentially regeneratively grown superfood products and supplements. Good morning. I'm Joshua Hughes. I'm the CEO and founder of Black Sheep. I've been down in Costa Rica working on the project since 2006, or the first project we had, which is called Verde Energia Pacifica de Lanas. And that's our, that's our founding farm, about a 20-acre spot down there. We bought what was cattle land and started working to reforest it into, like I said, in 2006 as a group. There was probably 15 of us that started it together. Uh, I mean, personally, I come from a recycling background and uh, um, auto wrecking when I was a kid. So I've, I've been in the, in the works of uh, turning things that people don't think are valuable into things that are valuable and taking what was either sacrificed or thrown in the garbage and, and uh, finding the value. In it. So that's where I come from uh, into this world. And uh, as I was going to, Moved to Costa Rica, we were, we were doing a biodiesel project and, and our primary goal in the beginning was to see how to grow and produce energy and be a, be a better, better steward of land and figure out how to create good, uh, good regenerative energies there. So, but yeah, we, uh, we worked to, as we began our projects down there, <clears throat> we worked to create the, the first space, the 20 acres that we had there down here. And in doing that, uh, over the first 15 years of regenerating land down there, we, ended up running into some big challenges. And the biggest challenges was the land around us was all very inorganic. This is Sarah Charneski. I am the president, CEO, and one of the three founders of Black Sheep. So like Josh was saying, one of the biggest challenges we face is that 
all of the farms around us uh, were very inorganic. So we needed to figure out how to essentially protect this, this asset, which is also our home for, for many of us, um, from, from being inundated with chemicals, right? It's, it's really uh, hard to curate organic, healthy organic soil, which is what we worked at um, very hard for the first uh, long while in our business. So we needed to figure out how to, to shore that up. Um, and there was land around us for sale. So we started, we looked at what we had done at Verde and um, sort of came up with a plan of how we could replicate the, the best parts of that um, around us. And then, so we started two other farms um, and then we quickly figured out we needed a, um, an organized way to manage all of them in that uh, the three of us with our friends couldn't just uh, operate them all as their own little independent businesses that worked um, in separate ways. So that's when we actually started uh, Black Sheep in Costa Rica to be the, the organizing mechanism for all of those projects. Well, I guess um, a little bit more specifically, I mean, you guys talked about Verde Energia, but mm -hmm. um, could you maybe go into what specifically Verde Energia is, um, what it was in the beginning and how it's evolved and what it is now? So, uh, like I said, Verde Energia was a piece of cattle land when we first got down here. And our, my initial goal with our team was to find a place that we could build into a community center and into a, a thriving farm of whatever sort. We didn't really know where that was going to lead in the beginning. Um, I knew I wanted to start growing plants that could create energy or do phytoremediation and things. So, so our goal, our goals at Verde were pretty simple in the beginning: build a safe space for us to to experiment and practice and kind of have an impact center. And over the years, Verde ended up having about somewhere between four and five thousand guests to come down to our little our little spot there in the middle of the jungle and. Um, for the first 10 years, we didn't even have connection to the internet, so it's kind of amazing people found us, but it turned into a, th a thriving organizing uh, organizing body down there. Uh, people from all over the world would come there to learn and participate, teach, and it, it turned into a, a, an or a place where we could all come together and learn how to cooperate and do business and, and kind of forge the type of plans that we thought we might want to do together. Uh, uh, yeah, and it sounds like from what I've heard in, in previous podcasts and from your website, that you have a cooperative structure. Um, I was wondering if you could maybe just touch on that and maybe the, the struggles and the or the, the benefits of having that sort of structure. Um, sure. Well, we have about 60 owners that work on that project together. Uh, in total, Sarah, what is it? We have over 100 owners that own seven different uh, projects. Yeah, we're about 150 owners. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. What we what we have is seven different companies that we vertically integrated. So we have what five different farms, either four, three farms online now, two more farms coming online right now um, in the yeah. next week, and then we have a processing center in Costa Rica that's being developed right now <clears throat> to process all the goods off of our farms and a large collective of farms. Um, and then we have the corporations in the U.S. which are helping land investment and then helping distribute products and bring these things to the world. So in over the years, the Verde was kind of the like I said the the heartbeat of all that to help build the team and uh, and find every and find all of the best practices that we wanted to use going forward. 
Yeah, so yeah. as of now, um, Greater Nokia is functioning as a farm, a productive farm, as well as an education center. So we host internships and uh, give classes to people all over the world about permaculture and permaculture. So it's a pretty valuable opportunity for anybody who's interested to see uh, what it looks like on the ground to kind of run a project like this from the bottom up. Yeah, we have dozens of students uh, a, a year that come and participate with us from universities in the States. Northeastern University has a program that Amanda piloted to bring students in and, and uh, train them in what we do and find and recruit the best talent for the future. Awesome. Sounds like something maybe Bard could get involved in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, we'd love to. We've, uh, we, didn't, we didn't do this. We didn't really set out Verde to do this, but it's become a, a, I'm finding people really enjoy uh, what we do. So um, the, <laughs> our initial intentions there were just to build forests and just to create space for humans and wildlife to coexist and see what would work for, like I said, energy creation or food creation. But it turned into a kind of a community-driven project that uh, we've been really happy to integrate people from all over the world in different cultures. Cool. Um, I did have a question. Um, previously in one of your podcasts, I heard you talking about your supply chain. Yeah. And so I, in the BART MBA, we get the opportunity to sort of dive into some circular value chain management and, and you know, looking at supply chains across the globe. So I was wondering if you could maybe just touch on your supply chain. And I even heard you talking about, you know, shipping products on you know, wooden ships. I mean, is that true? Yeah. And are, are, are you going to be able to actually achieve carbon neutrality? Could could you talk us through that? First of all, it's all a work in progress. Um, nothing. We're definitely not carbon negative. Um, at our own business, and we, I don't know how we would be able to manage that for some time. But we are locking some really important pieces in place that we're very proud of. Um, so the first. Obviously, the first part of the supply chain um, are organic and regenerative farms in Costa Rica, um, along with other organic farms that we are able to co-op with, uh, means that we are getting our ingredients for our products um, from the best place we can imagine, basically, in that um, those ingredients are, are essentially helping us regenerate forests. So that's sure. great, number one. Um, and then we have been working uh, with a shipping company located in Costa Rica that is currently building wooden ships and they'll be sailing them um, wow. with, with people's products to ports and they can't, uh, ship a gigantic volume of things. So Not we yet. probably won't great, yeah. but we probably won't be able to ship all of our stuff with them. But it's really cool um to even just have a relationship with them and know that it's something we'll be able to do in the future. And they're actually <laughs> looking at building uh buying lumber from us to build some of their ships. So yeah. that's the that's a pretty cool part of the the whole too. Yeah, and that yeah. everything integrating that also in the way that we package goods, the way that we communicate with customers, the way that we sell those goods. So we're trying to uh, kind of streamline everything we can to bring bring the products people love from the tropics to the to the United States or to Europe without without doing all the damage in its wake. So uh, the Saba shipping uh, and the first ship we're working with, um, 
name. Sarah, is it called Saber Shipping? Should I say that on the air? Saber's yeah, the name yeah. of the ship. Saber is the name of the ship. So um, called Sail Cargo is the name of the company. But they're, they're a great, great example of uh, a kind of bottom-up bottom approach, very similar to what we've done in the farming world. We're seeing happening in the shipping and logistics uh, space as well. So we're happy to support that. And like I said, everything down to the way that we package our goods and the way that our, our packaging ends up uh, affecting the world. So we're working with companies that are developing compostable plastics and we use, we use glass and we, we use uh, uh, anything we can to uh, lessen the long-term negative impacts of our products. I would hate to see our product uh, floating in the ocean, let's say, one day, <laughs> our packaging from sure. our goods. So, yeah, well, that's, that's a big thing of what we're doing. We came down here not to be a part of the bad ideas, and, or I did personally. And along the way, I was kind of a little paralyzed. I couldn't really move forward with business until a lot of other things got in, uh, would fall into place. And as, as things like Saber Shipping came online, as as better options have uh, arisen for packaging and logistics, I'm, I'm happy to participate in, in the, the future and the better way of doing things with this. So um, we're looking for more and more options to, to close those uh, loops and, and be more regenerative every step. So um, as, we, as we're up here in the U.S. learning how to, uh, con <clears throat> learning how to uh, find markets and deal with customers, I'm happy that we're getting away from the old ways of brick and mortar and inventorying the way we, that people used to have to do things. So I think the whole, the whole uh, supply chain is kind of ready for direct connection to farms, not just uh, locally, which we've seen happening in the U.S. with community-supported agriculture and farmers' markets are thriving. We're trying to create that same, kind of, that same kind of direct connection to the farm so it's not just a regenerative action uh, with the way that we move things, but the way that you deal directly with your farmer and have a regenerative uh, attitude with the community you're in. Yeah, I think there's another important uh, concept to tease out here a little bit, um, which we talk about in permaculture a lot, uh, transitional ethics, right? So when you start out on a new project, you, I don't know, have a new idea for a business, everything, your ideal situation most likely isn't going to be in place right when you start. And uh, you may have to make a few compromises here and there, but the point is that you, you're starting out in the right direction and you know that you'll be able to transition uh, those things that you don't like in the future. Um, and it, like Joshua said, it can be paralyzing sometimes uh, to, to think about uh, the way you want to be able to do things and what's currently available to you. So uh, I think it's good to keep in mind that no one can do everything perfect and definitely not from the start. <laughs> but that's why, that's why we really drive hard in the cooperative mindset. Our, we don't want to do everything. We want to find the people that do what they're doing best and then work together. So um, we, we've been modeling our small business very much like a, like a big business would in the way that we're going to rely on other, other folks and uh, strategic partnerships and there's a lot to do in the in the farming world or in the food production and supply chain world so we need to we need all the talent to come to the, all the best talent to come to bear on this so we've been trying to create the, the type of openness and partnerships that are necessary to move forward in, a, in the regenerative future of food food and supply chain great awesome yeah, thank you well that uh, actually is a great segue i think into um, my question I am very much interested. Um, I've heard you guys mention before, we need more business people yeah. in the regenerative agriculture, permaculture space. 
was wondering if you could elaborate more on that. Here you have the BARD MBA in sustainability priming people for such work. And so where, where do we as students, where do we get engaged? How do we get engaged? How do we contribute to this? Great. Um, so without sounding you know, too overreaching, uh, Black Sheep was very much founded on the premise that honest ethical business is what's going to turn the tide on environmental destruction and the really deep disparity that we see between the global north and the global south. Um, so for us, business is activism. Um, a quote from Buckminster Fuller is really coming to my, to my mind when I think about this. Um, I think he said, uh, you never change things by fighting the existing reality. To change something, you just build something new, and that makes the existing model obsolete. Um, we really tried to take that to heart when we were creating Black Sheep. Um, you know, industry and business is kind of the mechanism that acquires natural resources turns them into products and then sells them to consumers. So unless you're living completely off grid somewhere making all your own stuff, uh, most everything that you consume and use comes to you through some kind of business. Um, and the world has been operating on a, some pretty unethical business standards for a long time, as we all know. And that's led us to the pretty dangerous and unstable place that we're in right now. Um, and a lot of that is due to human greed, but a more tangible and solvable way to look at that is just bad systems design. Um, and the narrative is sort of read in a way that makes it seem like businesses' hands are completely tied when it comes to making ethical choices, like a forced dichotomy between making money and not destroying the world and paying slave wages. Um, but maybe you'll agree with me, I, I think that narrative is, is false and, and lazy and actually really harmful. Um, so as a culture, if we can't figure out a way to grow our food and get it to people without poisoning our water, uh, we're not trying very hard. Uh, we can design better. Um, so the principles of herbiculture urge us to think about inputs and outputs. Uh, in other words, what's the most effective use of our energy? And this isn't really a license to throw all individual action and responsibility to the wind or to somehow disempower the individual. Um, it's a call to action for us to really think about systems design and where the most impact is. Um, none of us have formal training, none of us three founders at least have formal training as farmers, but we do have training in other areas that we're using to build our farm business. Um, I'm sure Josh and Sarah have their own answers to this question, but I would say that the best way for new business people or for young professionals in general to get involved and be effective in sustainability sustainability-related work is to start by looking to the waste stream. Uh, what's being mistreated or misused or thrown away? What could be designed better? And how could your specific skill sets aid in the creation and implementation of a better system that makes the old crappy one obsolete? Yeah, and in the permaculture world, we get a lot of people that, that flood to us that really want to learn or really want to use their hands in the soil. There's a lot of people that want to that want to do the farming part. I don't think there's a lack uh, in that department right now. Um, what we really need to bring to the table is much more of these other other skills. Um, we need plenty more people on the ground doing the work around the world. But but uh, as far as how you coordinate landing an investor, how you coordinate coping with having investors, how you have contracts, uh, how you how you deal with distributors, like all these things are not things that farmers are normally taking part in, at least on the ground. So a lot of what we need right now isn't coming from the uh, from the farms, it's coming from the business world, it's coming from the investment world. 
the, the, the need to understand and quantify and explain the regenerative things that are happening or uh, the, the need to study and, and start deciding what the best practices are to move forward with. This is all going to come down to our business approach. And the way we've been doing things is in, in a cooperative, like, we, like I said earlier, we've done vertically integrated seven different companies so that each company can do what it does best. And, 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 and supply the network with, its, with the talent it, uh, it needs. So uh, in, the world right, in our world right now, we spend a lot more time uh, with lawyers. My, me and Sarah, personally, uh, our days are filled with lawyers and accountants right now. Uh, yeah, and, and, really yeah. glamorous. <laughs> no, but that's, that's, that's the biggest part of the work that we need to do right now. Because on the yeah. ground, we've done the work. We've spent the years in the research working, building soil, building forests. Nature is pretty much taking care of most of the work we need done now on the ground to bring back forests. Um, at least in our scenario, because we've, we've, we've helped enable a good, uh, a good system where we're at. And we had just enough uh, wildlife left where we live to help us do this job. So, um, yeah, the, wild, the, the nature is doing its part now. We need to, we need to bring the best of our, of our corporate abilities to the game. And everything from the technology and how that integrates to uh, how finance works with people on the ground, developing world. So. Yeah, and I think uh, I would just like to add to that. Uh, Josh and Amanda covered that topic pretty thoroughly, um, but that we just need more people in general in the in the permaculture space and in the regenerative um, space. We need people to embody these ideas and uh, make their daily choices based on, or make their daily choices while also like considering the health of the planet and themselves. Something that really comes out for me, um, I have a background in graphic design, and uh, that's not something that you might kind of naturally link to what I'm doing now. Um, even though I am working in graphic design in our company, I, I do that for our company, but um, I never would have imagined that I would make this kind of professional jump when I was first starting out as graphic design as a graphic designer. I kind of imagined that I would work for a firm or some other kind of um, more obvious job, I suppose. Um, but I really, uh, you know, as I progressed in my in my learning of the industry, it really became really important to me um, to not produce trash. Um, something that that really happens a lot with with things that graphic designers make is that people will look at what you create uh, for you know ten seconds, thirty seconds, and then they throw it away because it's like mm. a candy wrapper or um, a little piece of paper that's advertising for something. And um, I just, I felt really uh, kind of disillusioned by that. And so for a while, I was sort of struggling to figure out how to apply what I had learned in college uh, to the real world and was sort of convinced on some level that that, that wasn't possible. Um, but then I found... Mm -hmm. I found this farm uh, when I was traveling and they needed someone who had those skills. So it sort of all just fell into place. So I guess what I would tell students is to not be afraid of your natural talents. Um, they're your superpowers. And even if you can't really see how they can help, you know, at first, just be selective and careful about who you work for and who you give your power to, because that really matters. Great. Yeah, no, that, that's all fascinating. No, we, there's a lot of work to be done. <laughs> well, and it's um, on us as business owners, like she said, I'm not going to wait. We're not going to wait around for governments to do the right thing when it comes to climate change anymore. 
who can't wait around for governments to do the right thing when it comes to forestry or, or the way the, the garbage and the waste stream is working. So it's on us as business people to create the opportunities that the, the next greatest student scientists and, and uh, lovers of business can partake in. So um, I've, I've taken that responsibility as my beard turns gray of starting and running a business that people would be proud to work for. Sure. Could you guys walk us through the six pillars and services of Black Sheep, um, like investment, consulting, design, management, processing, and distribution? That seems like a lot to take on. <laughs> it does seem like a lot to take on. Uh, but and from the perspective of a farm, we had been doing the design, the management of the farm, the investment in the farms for about the last decade with our friends and family to see what would really work. And in doing in doing that, it's it's kind of an organic. It's the things that we need to do organically rose to the top. Our far, our company invests uh, in organic farming um, and or regenerative organic supply chain. Uh, so we're also, I mean, a lot of what Josh and Amanda and a little bit of what I've been doing this summer is uh, touring around the country and shopping for investors um, to who are interested in our projects and have um, aligned values uh, who want to help us. Um, once we have a pretty thorough plan now about what we're doing with that capital, um, so we look around for them uh, to plug into our system. In addition to uh, bringing investment into our company and figuring out how to use that uh, to scale our business. On the other end, we have dabbled in consulting. We frankly haven't had too much time to dedicate to consulting for other people's projects formally at this point, uh, but that's an area that we look forward to growing into. Um, as far as design is concerned, we we do all of the designs for our own business models and for our own farming projects in Costa Rica as well, um, which is a whole department in itself of our company. Um, and then we also manage all of those projects. So once we have the proper designs in place, our, our team uh, brings those into fruition. We're pretty deep right now into the processing piece. Um, this is our pretty much our main focus at this point. Um, we are developing a processing center in Costa Rica, an agricultural processing center um, for our main product uh, or the main commodity that we could grow actually, which is turmeric. Uh, and so we're figuring out how to, well, we've already figured out how to um, stabilize and preserve the product and now uh, turn that into other things that we will be selling either wholesale or through uh, our retail brand. So the processing uh, facility is we have it rented, we're purchasing machinery, the design is uh, completed, so we're moving into the installation um, phase right now. It's really exciting. Yeah, um, one of the biggest missing pieces from, from any small farm project is, is access to processing equipment. 
Right. Um, so we, we, we saw, we, as we were developing our own farms, we were identifying the, the missing pieces that we needed. And uh, the processing facilities was, was a big part of that. Maybe the biggest part of what we're doing on the ground in Costa Rica is, is creating the infrastructure so people can stabilize and uh, products, not have a lot of spoilage, and, and then get to market with things that they create. Right, and that's where the distribution piece comes in, and that's, uh, I guess, where that really shines for me is, uh, you know, with having the ability to open this processing facility, we're going to be able to um, kind of bridge the gap for a lot of small farms and small farmers within Costa Rica. You know, we're not just going to be bringing uh, products that are grown on our own farms to market. We're actually going to be reaching out into our national community within Costa Rica and helping small farmers who would otherwise not be able to really sell certain products, uh, we'll be able to help them get to market and get a decent price for their labor. Great, yeah, thank you for walking us through. Yeah. So I just wanted to offer this time for you guys uh, quickly here, because I know you guys have been traveling around or, or garnering private investment, looking to scale your operations up and really do some cool things um, within Black Sheep. I just wanted to offer the time for you guys to explain to whoever's listening to this podcast what you guys are doing with that. Like, if I have money, I want to give it to you. What's going to happen and, and what you're doing with that, trying to go after some private investment now? Okay, yeah, this year we've, uh, we've opened ourselves up to selling equity in our company in the U.S. Uh, parent company, Black Sheep USA. That company owns or operates the seven different vertically integrated companies from Costa Rica up to the distribution networks up here in the U.S. And what we're doing now is we're raising a little over $6 million to invest in new land into the infrastructure and into the team. Um, we have so far rallied about a quarter of that, and we're working to secure uh, loans right now for getting the new equipment and the processing facility up and running. So right now we are mid-raise on this uh, on this securities raise and hoping to close it out by the beginning of this 2020 and just get back to doing the work we're going to do in the jungle. Um, and what it, what it looks like from this end with me, um, just some perspective on what I've learned this summer, is that there's a ton of people poised to invest in the regenerative world. I see, I see everybody from private equity investors to family offices and funds all wanting to participate in the regenerative future. But there hasn't been a lot of the work done in the companies like us in the farming world, in the, in the regenerative space to even allow and land that investment. So we spent, we've dedicated a tremendous amount of money and effort to, to creating those systems and being prepared to, to take the, the, frankly, the trillions of dollars that's ready to be unleashed into the regenerative world and into the supply chain and figure out how to actually use that money well and use the proceeds well. We've spent, invested a lot of time um, and money into building out our plans and, and making them um, something really worth investing in and sense like appropriate legal structures and, and well thought out financial information. Um, we've really done the due diligence and spent a lot of time uh, de-risking essentially. Uh, we sort of put ourselves through our own accelerator. <laughs> so if somebody wants to get involved and contribute financially to our project, how do they do that? Uh, they should reach out to us directly um, to hello at weareblacksheep.org or to Joshua or to Sarah at weareblacksheep.org uh, with an inquiry, and we'll get back to you right away. 
I was wondering what you see as the biggest challenge in your day-to-day work mm-hmm. in sustainability. Actually, doing what we're doing is we're, we're kind of attacking this from a lot of angles. So there's the challenges on the ground with farming, and then there's the challenges on uh, in the supply chain, right? So, um, I, I mean, honestly, uh, this year is a pretty exciting year for politics in the world. Um, 2020 is going to be a big one. Um, I, I, what I see from when I'm in Central America looking north uh, or looking at my own governments in, in Central Latin America is, my, our biggest challenge is probably going to be the, the political will to stand up together and work together to, uh, to I don't know, to even be prepared to make the change we need to make. In Central and South America, we're experiencing a convulsion in the last years, a overthrowing of governments, and uh, really a drive to the political right in Central and South America that's not healthy, uh, it's not serving people and farms, <laughs> it's not serving communities. And uh, I, it may sound like a kind of a big answer to this, but um, it's, our problems are not so much on the ground. Our problems are not so much in the work we want to do. It's all pretty simple work, simple, not easy. Uh, but I think that our problems as a, as a collective whole are going to come by, are we going to engage in the next years in our communities and in our politics? And I would hope that more and more permies, I would hope that more and more business people will take this seriously, that none of our businesses are in a vacuum. And uh, as the forests disappear around us and the, the rivers get polluted, this isn't just a business decision, it's political will. So. I think our biggest challenge in the next next year is going to be staying positive and moving forward and taking control of our communities, not just in our businesses, but in the way that we uh, express ourselves politically. I just have one last question. What is the timeline for bringing the products to market? Yeah, we bring our first retail products to market in the next uh, by the beginning of the year, and then our Farms are up and producing already, and this season's our first major production. So we're bringing all of our stuff to market in 2020 for the first time. Yep, and that's through our regenerative sub-brand, Rewild Organics. And that website will be coming online very, very soon. So if you're interested in learning more about our products, um, definitely stay tuned to uh, our Black Sheep website, and uh, we'll be launching that and announcing it on all of our media channels. Learn more about Black Sheep by visiting weareblacksheep.org. Join us for the next episode of the Impact Report. We'll be joined by John Radgowski, Vice President of Portfolio Management at Landis & Gear. For the complete lineup and other news, visit us at impactreportpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Bard MBA in Sustainability is one of a select few graduate programs globally that fully integrates sustainability into a core business curriculum. Learn more at bard.edu/mba.